other day and I was watching it and the scene where the little boy gets abducted. Yeah. And those little floor grates in his house, you see the screws coming up. Yeah. Um, because I lived in a double wide trailer, we had those. It it scared me. Like I I I I was I was very scared. It's a creepy scene. It is a very creepy scene. And kind of a pointless scene. Why? What's uh like why do they abduct the because they give him right back at the end? I don't know why they why do they abduct anybody? I don't really get it either. <laughs> but like just so collecting like, people, just like just, just want to hang out. Like I can't, I, I'm trying to remember because I've watched the movie since then, and the whole abduction thing—they—they they kind of like give everyone back when Dreyfus decides that he's going to go with them. Um, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, it's a weird movie. <sighs> Great movie though. It is. I—I I, yeah. I, I love it because it really is like uh, it's not because it's not full Spielberg yet, right? There's right. still a little bit of a '70s like cinema touch to it, where it's like they're they're still like experimenting with stuff and not just like kind of playing it safe. It's not like it's not saccharine, right? It's it's not. Um, yeah, we're we're definitely not dealing with um, Ready Player One, Spielberg, <laughs> which I've never I've not yet seen. By the way, it's I do uh, want to see it. I'm just so I'm 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 curious. I'm just so curious. The best way I could describe Ready Player One, Chuck is like it's it's if your parents took you to disney world but your parents your your in your case your mom is the same age she is now and you are the same age you are now like that's what it's that's what the pretty fair one is like it's like your parent taking you to disney world as an adult i would love that <laughs> but it's like but they they, they, they. It, 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 that's if you love it, you're not picking up what I'm trying to say. <laughs> no, I think what you're saying. It's okay. Right. To, it's, it's but like when you and your mom go to Israel, you're just going as you and your mom. I mean, like if your right. parents still thought she was your parent, you know what I mean? Like your parent. I know what like, you mean. Like, like no, Chuck, like we can't get in, the Noah. No, we can't do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Introducing you to Disney. Yeah. Versus, yeah, like. Oh, you've got to go. We, we're going to go on Space Mountain and. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, remember I mean, Back to the Future? We got the DeLorean here. Wow, yeah. I mean, really? I know it's, 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 I, I know it's like Member Berries, the movie. Yeah, kind of. I, sort of. I, I know that it also deals with things like the Iron Giant, which is a movie I've never seen. It is um, kind of weird watching Iron Giant just like cat folds, like a very yeah. anti gun movie. I um, but the there's a scene that's like a note to The Shining that's actually pretty good. Yeah, that's what I I've read online that everyone what was it uh, for the uh, Doctor Sleep pre trailer and I watched it the other day. It says one of the comments on Birth Movies Death was um, awesome. They're making a sequel to Ready Player One, <laughs> and um, and people mentioned that that was probably the best scene in the movie. It is the best scene in the movie, and it's the whole reason why I I wanted to see it in theaters because I heard that they were going to do like a note to The Shining, right? And that um, and yeah, and it's like it's like when are you going to get to see The Shining in theaters? Yeah, it's exactly. Kinda... Um, but then like I actually watched it the other day on, on YouTube, and it's like it's nothing spectacular. It really isn't anything great. It's just like unless you see it like in a huge screen, it's it's really impressive how they recreate it. And mm -hmm. it's like you know if you love The Shining, which I do, it's like ooh, I'm home. 
you know, like get to take a break from this this shit movie <laughs> to go back to the Overlook. Let's 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 we're uh, let's just welcome to Masters Divinity. We're 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 just talking. Um, <laughs> I I kind of want to I kind of want to talk about Doctor Sleep. You do okay. The, the right. trailer just because just because um, I'm I'm. I, I, you know, we've, we've talked about my feeling, my complicated feelings on horror movies yeah. on this podcast. And yet you, you point out the fact that like, so like two of my favorite horror, two, two of my favorite horror movies, probably even just two of my favorite movies, I don't know about favorite movies, but up there are Alien and The Shining. Like I enjoy both of those movies. Historically, two of the most scary movies like ever made. You also like Halloween and, and Scream. I do like Halloween and Scream, yes. So, so I, so I do have, so I do, I do have some. Yeah. Anyway, I uh, I when I watched this trailer for Doctor Sleep, I was very, I'm very, I'm very um, intrigued is one word, but it's also the fact that they're making it as a sequel to Kubrick's Shining, not just King's novel. Yeah, is a bold, bold risky move no that's not a that's not a bold move you want to know what a bold move would have been if it was a sequel to the miniseries <laughs> the okay fair miniseries. oh yeah fair <laughs> that terrible um yeah i watched i watched that it was not good it's 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 horrendous it is it's awful and the fact that it's a miniseries makes it worse because you have to sit through so much of it well yeah what was it with like all these king adaptations being miniseries like it um I, don't know, I think they just kind of think they're probably fully capturing the book by being so. Yeah. Long, do you remember that there was like a fad? But do you remember that? Like there were so many Langoliers. Langoliers, um, baby. Yes. Um. Um. What was the other? There was. Um, Langoliers, Tommy Knockers, the Stand. Tommy Knockers, thank you. Uh, <laughs> there's the Stand, which is uh, actually stand, people yes. really love that miniseries, the one that came out in 1996. Yeah, I just remember they were like all these like weird like mid-season like things. Yeah. I, I it though it came out when I was young. What is it? Eighty six? Is that when? When did when did it come out as a miniseries? Was it like nineteen ninety? Was it ninety? It might have been ninety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was yeah I was like in second grade. Yeah. When when that came out, and I can remember like my, some of my friends watched it, and like talking about oh you got to watch it. I think I watched. I managed to catch like the second half of the second part. Um, yeah, way when they, scarier when you're a kid, I'll say. Yeah, but it was it was such a like taboo thing, right? Like it was weird. It was like it's on TV, and um, I don't know. And Tim Curry, Tim Curry is creepy. Um, not as creepy as um, still as uh, as uh, as um, uh, who who plays uh, Pennywise? The Skarsgårds. I know. I was gonna say Stellan, but it's not Stellan. Anyway, is it Tom Skarsgård. It... Tom. I don't know. Tom Scarrett. I, I, anyway. <laughs> I'm scared um, as Pennywise. <laughs> um, but um, Tom Green is Pennywise. I uh, I just keep going where it turns into Seth Green as Pennywise. Um, but I uh, Tom Servo is Pennywise. <laughs> I watched that movie. <laughs> but no, I, I so anyway. I think I'm I'm very intrigued by the new by the new. By that, by the, by the, by Doctor Sleep. Um, yeah, I, I've never read the book, so I don't know the plot all that much. I've kind of figured out from comments and stuff what it's about. But the idea, like, I'm, I'm a sucker. I'm always a sucker 
for revisiting old things, not like in just a nostalgia way, but like, like, um, in, in, um, in Jurassic world, when they go back to the, when the kids go wind up in the original visitor's center. Yeah. Like I'm just a sucker for that kind of stuff. And I think it, it all stems back to the first time I played super Metroid where you take the elevator down and you realize, and you start going backwards through the last lap, through the last like tutorial and all that from the first game. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's all destroyed and decrepit like that. You get to see like what it's like after the thing ended. And I, um, I said, like I said, I'm just a sucker for that. And so in the trailer where they show Danny walking around in like the ruins of the overlook. Yeah. And you know, 40 years on, they haven't cleaned it up or done anything to it. Um, but I'm, I like that. I, I will see it just for that. Just cause I'm a sucker for like, it may, it may have no bearing on the plot or anything. I, it's complete nostalgia crap, I guess, but I'm, I'm, I'm just, like I said, I'm a sucker for it. Yeah. I think it's cool. Um, I didn't really, <clears throat> I didn't really follow up much of the news. So I didn't really know that it was actually going to be a sequel to the original movie. Um, I think it's, it, 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 that at least has me pretty interested, you know, um, wish Matt's not here by the way, unfortunately he had a last minute thing. Uh, he has actually read Dr. Sleep, so it would have been kind of interesting oh, yeah. to get his perspective. Um, but I remember him saying that it's, it's like, it's not very good. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people I've heard said it's not very good. I'm what, but, but, but for the movie to draw from Kubrick, I mean, cause it's what I like about it is this, we have this, we have this treatment that Kubrick is sort of like sacred, which I mean, in a way he is right. Yeah. But, but at the same time, it creates a space where there can never be another Kubrick or anyone that, you know, I, and I don't like that idea of just making him on, you know, like he's untouchable. Mm -hmm. And it's not like it's the first time they've attempted a sequel to one of his films. Um, there's a, there's 2010. Right. But very different. Well, it's a different movie, but it, it wasn't afraid to be different. It was. It's actually a pretty good right. movie in its own right. Yeah, I like 2010. Um, the only thing it's wrong about is that it's not like 2001. <laughs> right. You know, it's it's not. But it's still it's still pretty. It's still like a pretty good sci-fi flick. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. I, actually, I saw 2010 before I ever saw 2001. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good movie. Um, it was one of the I, I caught it on TV, and I and I really liked. I really liked the, the future setting, and it was around the time that. Um, it was around the time that uh, that Sequest was on TV, and nice. you know, and I've being a longtime Jaws fan. There's another kind of horror movie that I love. Um, um, is uh, anything with Roy Scheider? I, I, I'll watch it. And so, um, what I but what I what I love about 2010, just as an aside, is that his apartment in the movie in the beginning, he has like an indoor aquarium with a dolphin in it. <laughs> so it's kind of like Sequest, yeah, with the dolphin. Um, but I think that's what I thought it was initially. I was like, is this something like Sequest related? And then I realized what it was. You, know, you go check out the TV guide and find out, oh, it's 2010, Space Odyssey. Dude, can we just, like, quick aside, Roy Scheider. Mm -hmm. God's, oh, gift, God's gift to humanity, yes. A, a, a real man. Uh huh, yeah. Um, White Light, or Blue Thunder himself, yes. Blue Thunder. Uh, uh, French Connection. Just mm -hmm. so, so good. And, and his jaws, Russ Brody. Like, I mean, probably everyone thinks like Harrison Ford is like the ultimate man for like our generation. You know what I mean? The ultimate action hero. But mm -hmm. like, 
I don't know, man. I think Roy Scheider could have beat the hell out of Harrison Ford. Like, I <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like Roy Scheider is one of these. It's easy to sleep on him. Yeah, because he's know? so subtle, right? He's so subtle. Like, yeah, but he's like, by. he's that, he's that. Yeah, he's he 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 he's confident enough that he doesn't have to be up front and center, right? Yeah. You know, the when when you kind of have to put yourself front and center, there's a there's an insecurity you're kind of covering covering for, right? Yeah, he's got that sort of old school cool. Mm -hmm. about him where he's like he's quiet he's you know he's just he's the guy in the shadow smoking the cigarette just like i'll figure it out yeah even though like that's not his character at all in no, no. <laughs> no. this is what um, i think about it. i just think I, I, don't, I don't i love the guy i love his act i love his work and i haven't seen all of it like i um i actually i really want to watch this movie called sorcerer that's starring him sorcerer is a uh, it's a remake of this movie called wages of fear which is about uh these truckers who are hired to transport nitrous uh, glycerin in South America. And it's like, it's really suspenseful. It's about like whether or not like the nitrous glycerin looks good. Did you ever see the movie, uh, The Vertical Limit? Yes. It's like that, but with trucks. Okay. <laughs> and Roy Scheider's in it. He's, he plays the main character. And uh, it's directed by William Friedkin, oh, who, okay. directed, who directed uh, The Exorcist. And uh, it's, it's actually supposed to be really, really good. It has a score by Tangerine Dream. Hmm. And uh, it's actually supposed to be really good, but the reason why it got so overshadowed is because its release date was the same day as Star Wars. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so, like, very recently, they had like kind of a, a re-releasing on Blu-ray. That was like a big deal to try to like kind of put it back in the conscious public consciousness because you know Star Wars is well, it's not over, but it's like <laughs> it's it's still you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot of the like film critics and stuff I follow online talk a lot about it and talk a lot about the score. Apparently, the score is available on vinyl and stuff. I well, listen to it; it's actually really good. Well, it's also another 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 actor to me who's a very good masculine actor that we don't pay as much attention to. I think is um, Sam Neill. Oh yeah, yeah, dude, Alan. <laughs> I love that. By the way, I love that. Um, that uh, on um, honest trailers, yeah. They every time they get a chance to do anything with Jurassic Park, they they put a clip of the Raptors hanging on, <laughs> and it is it's always funny. It's one of those things that the more I see it, the funnier it gets. Alan, can I say something? What would would can Jurassic we Park? The, can we put in the blue screen behind Alan? Alan, <laughs> or maybe it's over here. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be more on on yeah. Um, when Jurassic Park 3 was coming out, someone had leaked uh, plot details, and they were talking about, like, so apparently someone had, had watched it, and they went on the internet and, like, leaked everything they, they saw. Um, and he mentioned that part, mm -hmm. where there's a talking velociraptor. And I was like, nah, I don't believe this. One second. I threw the whole thing out. Like, I was like, that's not true. They would never do that. And it happened. And when that happened, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> This is not going to be a good movie. <laughs> it's it, the thing. It's, it's short, yeah. and it's just sort of straightforward. Like it's, it's just, uh, you know, it's it's a little little quickie through the jungle. Better than Fallen Kingdom, though. Yeah, I think they got the Raptors right. You know, the Raptors are pretty cool in that movie. Yeah, I in uh, you're talking about in Jurassic Park three. Yeah, yeah, and it was cool seeing the Spinosaurus. And the pterodactyls um, are pretty cool, or, or pteranodons, I guess. Yeah, but, that, but like that's it, though, right? It's just, it's just like, it's just a bunch of set pieces. Like, it's nothing, right? 
Not yeah. saying nothing. Not saying nothing. Yep. There's no there's no Jeff Goldblum. You just get to watch Sam Neill run for dinosaurs again. Yeah, and for some reason, for some reason, I feel like in my head, I have remembered for years that the like the guy who does the paragliding. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, what's his name? I know his name. Uh, Nick Nicholas Tra 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 Travol Travolo. Whatever. I for yeah. years in my head thought it was Vince Vaughn. No, to dude, this that's... day, I think of him in it, but he's in, but Vince Vaughn is in Lost he's World. in Lost World, yeah. So I'm not completely crazy. He uh that guy, Jurassic Park 3, Nicholas Trivolio, he plays uh Pollux Troy at Face Off, Castro Troy's brother. Ah uh, yes. Yeah. If you haven't seen Face Off, the wonderful Face Off. With it's been a long Cage. time since so I've seen Face Off. The best thing about Face Off is the how did this get made about Face Off. Oh, uh, it's good, but I actually think Con Air is better. Oh, Con Air is the best one. <laughs> any, actually, to be fair, any, uh, the, the, yeah, when any of the ones where they have um, what's his face on with them, the guy from um, the guy from New Girl. Oh. Um, Oh, is he the guy that was in Jurassic World? Yes. Okay. I don't know. I forget his name. Pretty much any time he's on any of those, any of their episodes, he's on the one with, uh, I think it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay. Which is also a really good episode of that show. But um, that, that show is what made me fall in love with Jason Manzukis. And then I saw, and then I finally got around watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine and fell in love with Manzukis all over again. <laughs> he's also really funny and um, um, uh, the good place. I need to see that show. You'd like it. I'd be yeah. interested in your thoughts. Yeah, I feel like that's a show we need to talk about. On, on heaven show. and Hell, right? Just like we also yeah. need to talk about Good Omens. Oh, I just finished Good Omens. Yeah, I need to watch it. Um, one of my one of my former parishioners was telling me it's very good. So, but anyway, back to Sam Neill. Can we get back to Sam Neill? <laughs> Alan! 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 Um, he was also in... Um, the Taika Waititi movie that came out a few years ago, uh, The Wilder People or whatever. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that. Me, me neither. And I feel like I, I probably should because Taika Waititi is a great director and Samuel is amazing. Um, what else has Samuel been in that's, that's uh, worked out? Well, people, Event Horizon. Yeah, people um, love that Event Horizon. Uh, I've, I never, I've never seen it. I've been told it's way, way, it, I've been told it's like one of the scariest movies ever. Or just like. I, yeah. it's, I, I, I feel know. like. The hype around Event Horizon is more nostalgic. Than okay, that's what, I mean, my buddy who my buddy who watched one was brand new was the one who was telling me all that. It would probably be really scary for you, Chuck. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> um, I um, I mean, I, I think I watched some of it, but it's um, made by the guy who made Mortal Kombat, the Resident okay. Evil. Okay. So. Oh, uh, yeah, Paul Paul Thomas Anderson, or not <laughs> Paul. No, not Paul Thomas, the other one, the other. <laughs> Event Horizon, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> what was the, what's that guy's name? The the guy Paul W S Anderson. Yeah, that's right. It was a Paul Anderson. Um, <laughs> actually, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure when I first saw the Resident Evil movies, I was like, "Wait, hold on. <laughs> there's Thomas no Anderson. way this is the same guy as Magnolia. Like, there's just <laughs> no way." Um, you know, I it, also as an aside, I enjoy the Resident Evil movies. You and Matt apparently they're Matt, lo Matt loves them. They're terrible, but they're just, I find them very fun. Um, they are, just, it's like a history 
It's you know what? If you watch the first Resident Evil all the way to whatever the most recent one was, it's kind of like watching the history of bad action cinema. Yeah, probably. I've not seen the. I've not seen the, the. I've only seen like the first three. I think I didn't see what there's like five of them, right? I haven't seen the others because they all sort of borrow tropes from other action movies that did better around the time they came out. Oh yeah, totally. So it's 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 fun. It's it's, it's a fun progression to watch. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, and without a doubt, the first one's the best one. It's kind of like watching the the classic Bond movies because they started kind of like adhering to the like what genres are popular at the time mm-hmm. they're coming mm-hmm. out, right? Yeah. Um, also, uh, Sam Neill is also in the Tudors, um, which my wife watches frequently. Um, oh, he, is he? He he plays um, uh, Cardinal. I can't remember. Um, he's a he's a cardinal, um, and. Um, um around the around the reformation the the english reformation period so it doesn't work out too well for him yeah um but um cardinal wolseley that's it cardinal wolseley um he's good in it i mean he's pretty much only in like the first season parts of the second season um but it's sam neill just like (laughs) anything with sam neill i'll I'll watch um there's a rumor that the third jurassic world movie is going to have him in it as well as they're trying to get Laura Dern and um, and um, um, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. You know what? Bring in Vince Vaughn. Let's bring back Vince Vaughn while we're at it. Let's. I want Vince Vaughn and Julian Moore, and <laughs> and um, look, just give me Pollux give... Troy could come too. Just give me Timmy and Lex. Why? 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 <laughs> Tim and Lex. Why? Why? Why haven't Timmy and Lex been in these? Listen, movies? you That's... know what? You know what? You know what, Chuck? If they made this like the Avengers of Jurassic Park movies. I will go see it opening night, front and center. How great would that be? It'd be great. I just don't know because sort of the um, the, um, the 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 thing is is that the dinosaurs are kind of the stars, yeah. and they're they're kind of all dead now, except for like the ones that got off the <laughs> island. It's, 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 they clone them. They clone. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I just oh god, that, uh, you've talked in the past about how. Ghostbusters 2 is evidence that sequels like don't work or well, whatever. Some of us just don't, just don't, just won't work with sequels. Like, right. And I feel like, Jurassic, I feel like Jurassic Park is one of those. No, I, I agree. Yeah. It's unless you go, unless you go like balls out crazy with it. Yeah. You know, I like what I don't understand is for five movies now, five Jurassic World movie, Jurassic Park related movies there has been this through line you mostly see it you mostly see it in lost world and following so four jurassic park movies four of them they have since the 90s they have been talking about using dinosaurs as weapons yeah give me that movie (laughs) fisher cut bait come on like give me i want to see the movie that opens with like a like with like a terrorist network hold up in like caves or some complex and a raptor equipped with like guns and a camera on its head is running through tunnels just mauling insurgents like <laughs> make, give me give me close quarters just terrifying like show me that this is an idea that's actually a workable idea and that this is that an engine are bad guys and now it becomes like i don't know give me even go like to the Resident Evil level. InGen has sort of taken over the government, and 
kind of like the umbrella corporation is taken over and they're just sort of they're using dinosaurs to keep people under the thumb of oppression and it becomes a rebellion against against this power system that's using dinosaurs to control the to control the world give me the, give me give me the hunger games with dinosaurs <laughs> i mean just I, go are you are you also kind of hoping for for the john sales jurassic park 4 script where they they merged the splice no. of human dinosaur DNA. No, I've never thought that adapting Cadillacs and dinosaurs would be a good <laughs> would be a good idea. <laughs> the dinosaurs movie, you know, oh, like gosh. I, 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 I'm actually, I, 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 I kind of think I've always kind of thought it was a dumb idea. I mean, I kind of, I, I would see it just because I, I would like to see, like, I'd, I'd stream it on Netflix just to see how crazy it is. Yeah. But I, I don't know that I would want to actually see that with the franchise. Like, I just don't feel like that's Jurassic. But I don't know. Like I said, if you called it Jurassic World, you've ended with Jeff Goldblum saying, "Welcome to Jurassic World." Make it Jurassic World. The world is like, or, or um, I said, here's the only here's the only sequel idea to Jurassic Park that I ever thought worked. Just two that I think would work. The okay. first is there was a comic. Um, IDW had the Jurassic Park franchise, and they were doing comics years ago, and they had this one comic where basically the mob had gained control of Isla Sorna. Okay. And no, there was no park. It was just completely wild. The dinosaurs were loose and it was sort of kept quiet. You know, no, nobody ever really learned about the, about the Island or whatever, but what they would do is like, they would capture if they caught like informants or whatever, they would just dump them on the Island. <laughs> and so making it, making it a movie about, like one or two people surviving just this complete nightmare scenario is I think part of what you do with it. The other idea would be the sequel. It's similar kind of idea, but it turns out and you can even merge this idea, but basically it's kind of like, I guess predators in that um, you've got people on this Island and they encounter Muldoon has survived his encounter with the clever girl. And he is, and he is just this feral, like dude who's just been surviving for years, yeah, um, on on the island and making do, and he's just grizzled and a little bit crazy. He he's like he's like uh, uh, Kurtz and Heart of Darkness. Yes, he's like he's he's amassed a following of Jurassic Park employees who's who stayed behind. Yeah, that yeah. see, I, <laughs> I would watch that movie. It's like apocalypse now, but with dinosaurs. And you know what? Even 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 let him. He trained the raptors. Yeah, he managed to train some raptors and go that route. Like you went with uh, with um, Chris Pratt. He managed to train some raptors, so he's got like his little like feral like community of of raptors. Well, who's been hired to take him out? I don't know if anyone's hired. No one's taken him out. Okay. I think it's I think it's it's a situation people encounter him. Okay. Like you got Tim and Lex. It's <laughs> Yeah, you've got a, you've got a, oh, there we go. Or, or it turns out Hammond has learned that there is like, that there are, that there were employees that survived. Yeah. And that they need to go back. And then you could also play off the tease that you got with the Barbasol can that got like covered in mud. Like you've already brought dinosaurs back from using mutant frog DNA and just mumbo jumbo science. So why not have it where like the mud and that Barbasol can sort of gestated a mutant like hybrid dinosaur that's just on the loose. 
I'm for it. Huh? I'm for it. See? I want to. I want to. I want a heart. I want a heart of darkness. Jurassic Park movie. I have to admit, I, we have, I kind of have to admit, the, part of the reason I'm thinking about Jurassic Park is the fact that I, as I sent a photo to JP before I left to come to the office today, I realized I'm kind of dressed like John Hammond right now. <laughs> yeah. And I'll show, uh, here, I'm. Guayabera. <laughs> Linen pants. Spared, spared no expense. I have a, I have a Panama hat I wear. I'm. I just need a cane. Yeah. I've actually been thinking a lot about uh, James Cameron lately. Oh, good. So have I, because I just went to Pandora again. You did? And uh, wh what number is this? What number is Pandora? You, you go into Pandora. Um, I've been to Pandora. Well, let's so, see. Baker's I mean, I, I've, risen, I've ridden Flight of Passage probably about 20 times. Oh, wow. OK. I've done the math. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've probably probably about, I'm saying, oh well, but that's probably nothing compared to how many times I've written like Jaws back to the future before they were. <sighs> yeah. Canceled. By the way, get, 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 let, me, let me let me talk about that real quick because I was just in Orlando at Disney. Ken and I were talking about this, and I was telling her I don't know that I could ever go back to Universal Studios. Why not? Because everything that to me that makes Universal Universal is gone. I don't care about anything they have there right now. Harry Potter stuff is really cool. Okay. It's really cool. I'm sure it is. No, it's Chuck. You can like get a wand. You can like go up spots and you, you do the you, thing. You, you obviously. Well, I was gonna say you obviously don't spend a lot of time with like hardcore Potter, Potter fans, but I would imagine you probably see more of them than I do. Not really. I, I'm, 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 I'm kind of really over that franchise. <laughs> it's like they were they were good movies, probably good books. I never read the books, um, and they, they just I don't know. I mean. Okay, I'm sure. I'm sure it's awesome. I'm sure it's immersive. It's a cool world, and the fact that they pulled it off to make it very immersive and and all that, I'm sure is awesome. And I've heard that it's like the closest that Universal's ever gotten to Disney in level of immersion and and all of that. And that's okay. Uh, that's cool. I'm, I'm I'm fine with that. By the way, while I was it, while I was in Orlando, yeah. they opened the new Hagrid's roller coaster. Yeah, there was the line 16 minutes after the park opened. JP six. Hundred minutes. What? People waited. Wow. They had to stop. They had to stop letting people into the line because there was math. It was a mathematical impossibility after that that anyone would be able to ride the ride. Ten hours. People stood in line for ten hours to ride the ride. You could. I mean, you could read a Harry Potter book in that time. It, yeah. Yeah. Ten hours in line for a ride i don't think anything at galaxy's edge has been like that no i think i think uh the longest lines have been for the bar <laughs> well i mean it's a cantina yeah everyone wants to go to the cantina um i have to say i, I really want to go to pandora i really want to visit it but like i i need to go there before I go to Galaxy's Edge because I feel like if I go to Galaxy's Edge first and then I do Pandora, I'm probably not gonna like it as much. Why? I don't know. I just I just think I feel I feel like I feel like if I go to Star Wars land, there will be no other land. Probably. I I will say that I've the stuff that I've read from people who've gone to Galaxy's Edge in California, yeah. It it actually sounds kind of disappointing. Well, I think it's I mean it's 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 not 
it's just rolling out, right? Like, yeah, but I think, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I would not go for at least, I probably won't, I probably won't go for like, that's a, like a while. Like I'm, I'm fine with waiting a year or two to go because it's going to be insane. And um, I don't know if you know this or not, JP, um, but Star Wars fans have become really insufferable and kind of dangerous. And I kind of want to like avoid them. You think they can afford to go to a place like Disney World? Come on. Dude, you don't go as much as I do. No? These people are nuts. Really? There are people that that's their entire, like their entire life is like Star Wars. Like that's what they save their money for. So they go to Hollywood Studios so they can stand and watch the First Order march down like Sunset Boulevard or whatever they do there. Oh, really? That's kind of weird. Wow. Like, there are there are hardcore stars. Uh, JP, I'm gonna they Disney had to issue a special reminder when Galaxy's Edge opened that you could not show up in cosplay. Yeah. Be and 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 members of the uh members of the what is it, the nineteenth or whatever, uh the 19th Brigade. Uh, the five oh first. Oh the yeah, the five oh first they they were apparently very upset that they weren't allowed to show up in star in, in stormtrooper costume. Um, I mean, this is like a long-standing policy Disney's already had about dressing up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, these, this is there is a there is a there are people that, that oh yeah 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 like that's yeah I you know I just remember like when I was in when I was living in Orlando, the one thing I learned about like going to like theme park openings, it was always just a little bit disappointing mm -hmm. because because not, not everything was one hundred percent yet. Right. Even though, like, I mean, you had your soft openings, which, like, of course, it's not going to happen. You just went because you wanted to go, whatever. But even, like, the grand opening, whether it's a ride or a park, it was always just a little bit disappointing. Yes. I will. Yeah. Toy Story. I went to Toy Story Land, like, the week it opened. Yeah. Okay. That was my. Okay. We went on that. We went on the Slinky Dog roller coaster while I was there recently. And that was, it's all right. It's a good roller coaster. But well, it's eh, just that, like, but, the, the actors haven't acclimated yet you know right right no i get um, you i will say though the only the one experience i had that that defied that was pandora okay because i mean pan, the, the effect that pandora had on me was that i didn't care about avatar i walked away like loving avatar <laughs> i know we did um, a whole episode about i know that. yeah i know and we, <laughs> yeah but um i i really would i was just thinking when i was there i would love to go to this with you because everywhere while i'm in there i'm like this this feels like I'm in a James Cameron world, yeah. And like, like the detail level, it feels like James Cameron. And the only other time that I've ever experienced that, just like you've experienced that, is hanging out in the queue for T two three D, right? <laughs> yeah. Which is now also gone. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, I know because really that's the only Terminator sequel we need. Um, and I. I I miss that and I love that and it's a similar feeling. I did I finally found by the way at um at Flight of Passage when you're leaving the ride, there's a section of wall that has James Cameron's handprint on it with his initials, like he signed right. the ride. Cool. And I found that finally, and that was cool. Uh, it's like him, the ride engineer, and someone else. They all have their handprints because there's like a whole thing with like handprints um, in the caves and stuff. Um, and uh, there's a uh, because right before you get on the ride in the cave, you're going through like a Navi cave that then leads into um, an RDA facility. And um, you have like, it's a it's a four finger Navi handprint, which means it's a, an avatar. 
um, with a human red human handprint inside it to sort of indicate that it's like Jake or something. Okay. And um, and then they have these handprints on the exit with one says JC and it's James Cameron's signature for the ride, which is which is cool. But um, yes, you should go, and it would be awesome. And I want to hear more about why you want to go and why you want why you're thinking about James Cameron. Um, I think it just. No, I, I was thinking about um, how I don't own a whole lot of physical media. I mean, I actually do. I own a lot of DVDs. But they're all from a time when I was collecting DVDs. So it's like everything I loved when I was 23 years old. <laughs> right. Um, but but like, I, like your Boondock Saints. Yeah. I have, <laughs> I have this steelbook edition. Of, the of course you do. Um, yeah, and plus like a lot of classic, a lot, a lot of classic movies, a lot of movies I watched on TCM. Like there's a, I have a lot of uh, Clark Gable films that I don't watch. <laughs> I don't know, uh, but I was thinking about movies that I, that I don't own. I've never owned Aliens, really, or or any of the Terminator movies. Yeah, wow, I know. Um, and I was just thinking about Aliens and, and Terminator, and you know the new Terminator movies coming out soon. Um, I don't know, just kind of, just, just on my mind, I'm just kind of thinking about like, wow, I really, I really love Aliens. And I really love Terminator 2. <laughs> and I don't know, I kind of want to see like Terminator Dark Fate just out of kind of, just, just out of my own interest in James Cameron. Yeah. Because he's back as a producer, which I don't know, that doesn't really mean that much, but. But I understand. Still. I understand that Battle Angel Alita is a way better movie than it deserved to be because he produced it. I really wanted to see that movie in theaters, uh, but it left pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've heard the same thing. I've actually heard it's like a lot of people really love it despite its flaws, mm -hmm. <laughs> and people who are 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 even like they'll even admit like, yeah, it's very flawed, but I love it. It's it's, it's crazy. Well, as as you're talking about this, you also you, there's also another thing we could talk about if, is um, the fact that they're bringing Avengers Endgame back into theaters just so they can take down Avatar. Oh gosh, I heard about that. Yeah, they're doing it to take down Avatar. Oh, well, for their for their uh, to their uh, box office. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because they're they're like forty five million dollars shy of being like the highest grossing movie of all time, which is Avatar. And again, I hear they're doing with new footage. How much longer can that movie be? Well, apparently it's going to be after the credits. It's going to be, what is it? Um, like a new scene, like a behind the scenes thing and a couple surprises is what Kevin Feige said. It's probably just going to be a bunch of like Spider-Man trailers or whatever. I'm willing to bet that it will be, there will be a tease involving Natasha. Because there's been a lot of news that I've seen lately about the uh, Black Widow movie. Yeah. And I'm willing to bet there's some kind of a tease about Natasha. But but the thing is, is like, I don't know. It It's such a crass money grab. Which I know that all of this stuff is just a crass money grab because that's why they make this stuff to begin with. Yeah. But it just feels like. I don't know this it's when it's when they, this to me starts getting into like almost where it becomes sports adjacent. Yeah. Oh we yeah. Gotta win. We got to uh, win. It's even the fan base that when they become so obsessed with like box office numbers and stuff, it feels like it reminds me of like sports fans who like think they know how like general managers do whatever this they do. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, it all feeds into my theory. It all feeds into my theory that nerds are the new jocks. Yeah. It's approaching their level, at least, you know, like, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. But uh, so are you, you just, are you going to see it? I mean, there, I'm tempted to just because Kana hasn't seen it. Okay. And um, walking around Disney and seeing all the T-shirts that said "I love you 3000" and not being able to like comment on that. Yeah. And talk to her about that was sort of like uh, she, she really like Kana has yet to experience a delight that is Fat Thor. Um, <laughs> she has, or I should say, sorry, Lebowski Thor. Yeah. Or Bowski. Um, I've heard Party Thor. Party Thor. Okay, we work on that. Yeah, um, she's not experienced the, uh, the 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 joy of um, of oh, just Paul Rudd and everything he's doing in that movie, or yeah. um, you know, just Thanos and kind of how, in retrospect, they really wasted him um, in that movie. And uh, which, by the way, Avengers Endgame is a movie that the longer, the more, the more time that has passed, I realize I don't know that I think it's that good a movie. It's pretty much how I feel about like all of the Avengers films, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that. Yep. Yep. I think you the only one I, I, I think the only one that I'm sort of coming back around on is the very first one. Yeah. I. Uh, what made me realize that was seeing Godzilla: King of the Monsters. Yeah. Is. Yeah, because reading the criticisms of that movie and then watching it, I'm kind of I'm realizing the criticisms you're levying against this movie are almost identical to the criticisms that like that Marvel naysayers levy at the Marvel movies, and people are like, "Oh no, 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 you're just not watching it right," or "You're not blah blah blah." <laughs> yeah, and and I'm realizing that it's, I think a lot of people's opinions about it are rooted more in sort of the pop culture saturation of Marvel characters and the tangential familiarity that we all have with them yeah. that allows us to forgive a lot of bigger flaws that these movies have. Um, I will say the one thing in Avengers Endgame that really stood out to me that really makes me kind of roll my eyes is things like the shot with all the female characters. Yeah. Which it doesn't fit with the geography of the fight scene, and I even like in the theater. I remember watching them. I was like, "Oh my gosh, they just threw this in there to like score social, like 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 social like woke points. Like that's yeah." And I, I, at the same time, great. I'm glad that little girls in the movie theater get to watch and see like all like just to, just to have a shot of all the female characters that they can sort of look up to. Like that's great that they have that. That image will stick in their minds forever. But from a storytelling standpoint it just it just wrenched right in there right i i just like i i actually i agree with the criticism towards that small scene right um but i'm also like just kind of afraid to voice my opinion on it <laughs> because i know it's like it's not really about me right it's not it's not really for me um but it's you know it wasn't a movie i watched uh, so I, I kind of will have opinions about it, but, um, but I don't know. I, like I, I've, I've seen criticism against it and I've seen women say that that was like one of the best parts of the movie. And so I don't really. Well, no, I mean, I think it's, I, I said it's, it, it, as a standalone image, it is a triumphant thing. Yeah. You know, like if you were to put that photo in a piece of marketing, for the movie, like that. I think we could all just agree that you know what? It's nice. It's nice. It's nice. It doesn't. It does not work narratively, but it's nice. It's nice. You can yeah. say it's nice. Yeah. Um. But um. Yeah. I mean it. Yeah. I don't. Know. I. I want to see it again. I only saw it the one time. 
but I don't know that I'm going to go in theater. It's partly because I don't, because of my love for Avatar. I kind of want Avatar to, if I'm going to get into that competitive streak, I kind of want Avatar to win just because so many people hate on that movie. And I just love having that reminder to be like, it's the highest grossing movie of all time. <laughs> like you hate on it. You, say that you're, you have to stay with your eyes closed. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> it is um, the highest grossing movie of all time. It is the highest grossing movie of all time. Um, <laughs> But uh well, uh, I mean, we're—I mean, are, are you ready, Chuck, for for the age of Avatar? Bro, that's, you know it. That's approaching us. It's just going to be Star Wars and Avatar for the next ten years. I honestly think. I honestly, I, 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 I mean, I'm not going to make any predictions because I, I don't want to like come revisit this podcast like three years later and be like, man, that was really embarrassing that I said that with such like authority. Um, I have a feeling the potential is there. For the Avatar sequels to be massive. Yeah. Because, and it's something that we talked about when we had the episode, we talked about Avatar with Matt, is, and it's something that Matt said, which is that this first movie, the first Avatar movie, did a really, like, its whole thing was setting up the world. And that James Cameron spent all this time building the world and the universe of it, that he almost felt like, oh, I've got to stick a story. We'll just use a generic story that pretty much can appeal to a whole ton of people to be able to introduce them to this, this incredibly immersive cinematic world. The what I'm excited about the sequels is now, all right, we know the world, we know the rules of the world, we know what's going on in the world. Now let's tell a story. Like, a, like let's, 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 now that you, now that we've got the introductions out of the way about the world, let's tell, the, let's tell a story using the world. And like I said, I think it has the potential if, if, and if we've learned anything, don't sleep on Cameron. Because don't underestimate. Every time everybody underestimates him, he surprises us. Yeah. Um, but that being said, he's also due for failure. So, um, <laughs> well, um, you know what? I think even if like this next Avatar movie sucks, I, I don't think Disney will will pull the plug on it at all. Like they're gonna let him do his, whatever he wants. And I hope they. Around. I hope they just leave him alone. I think they will. Um, it's because uh, I mean he's got a great track record, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's before Avengers Endgame? What was the second largest movie of all time? Titanic. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, he's, and, and uh, he's another one that, you know, we talked about Spielberg a little bit at the beginning of this episode. Cameron, he's, he's, a, he's, to me, Cameron's a little bit of a, in terms of like, in terms of, he's sort of like a, he's sort of like a rich, a, 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 a um, Oh, come on. Brody's name. Richard Dreyfuss? Nope. Oh, I'm sorry. Roy Scheider. Scheider. He's, again, like that Scheider conversation is, you know, when people think of like the great directors, you know, they think of like Scorsese and they think of Spielberg and they think of, you know, those kinds of people. But Cameron's up there. I mean, obviously yeah. in terms of box office numbers, but, you know, box office numbers are not just enough for artistic merit or whatever. And the guy is... The guy has made some of the most inventive science fiction yeah. um, of 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 our of our generation. I mean, he completely reinvented the action film, right? Um, and I think his finest movie is The Abyss. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a movie we need to talk about. I haven't watched that in a while. Yeah, that's a movie Kane has never seen, and I I, I really want to introduce her to it, but it's never been released on anything but but DVD. Yeah, I know um, that actually lies. Yeah, I've never seen True Lies. It's pretty good. But, I used uh, to love it when I was a kid. I loved it more when I was a kid. I watched it and I was like, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. But um, 
Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh... Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated with him because of his his background. His whole background is like just he's an engineer, mm -hmm. and he talked about the first time he ever like had a camera. He took it apart and put it back together again. You know, like that that that's who James Cameron is, and like that's why if you watch Terminator or Aliens, there's almost this sort of like I don't want to say fetishistic because that's kind of cynical. It's it's like just sort of like a fascination with technology. There's like with his camera, like the way people like sort of criticize the male gaze, right? Women, he he's directed that at like technology. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? um, even just like guns, like in the Terminator movies, like I don't think anyone has shot has when I say shot, I mean like photographed. I don't right. think anyone has photographed a gun the way James Cameron has photographed guns in like Terminator Two. Which is fascinating because Cameron hates them. Yeah. Like he's a he's a he's a very liberal guy, very pro gun control, anti military guy. But man, does he fetishize military hardware? <laughs> but I think it's, he just he just looks at it as hardware. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's, that's that's like that that's his that's how his mind works. He's very technological. He's very like he's like a walking to me. He's like a walking manual. Yeah. And, and like that's the, so that he he sort of found a way to approach story. In that in that fashion, like he knows where all the parts go in a story, right? Um, right, and he's like perfected it. So it's interesting. I, I'm fascinated by his pro his, his process as both a writer and a director, and like the things that he's fascinated with, like technology and nature, sort of clashing together. And I think what's really interesting about the Terminator, I don't think the Terminator would have been um, as good or as successful if it wasn't for the love story mm -hmm. and the fact that the two main characters actually bone in the movie, I think lends to that too. I don't That's know. just me though. Like, I, I think it is. I think it kind of lends to success. I think if, if there, that element wasn't in there, it would have just been like a, like a schlocky, you know, movie with this Austrian bodybuilder that like, you know, still watching VHS cause it never came out on DVD. Yeah, I mean, Terminator, yeah, it it's a slasher film. Yeah. With a robot. I mean, and that's, it's a sci-fi slasher film. Which much. you don't, we don't really have those, right? I mean, like that's, it's about the only. There's a movie that came out a few years ago called uh, The Guest. And it was directed by the guy who made uh, Your Next. His name's uh, Adam Winger. He's actually working on the next, uh, he's working on King Kong versus Godzilla. Okay. Uh, but he made a movie called The Guest. And he said the inspiration behind it was uh, he wanted to make something that was a mix between Terminator and Halloween. And I think he actually kind of accomplished that. Like it is, it's, it's like a slasher movie, but like the, the main character is like this sort of brainwashed, highly trained, like just good with this genius tactician who's just like taking fools out, innocent people out, like high school kids and stuff. Like it's, it's, it is like Halloween meets Terminator. Hmm. You should check it out. I think you'd be interested in it. Yeah, I um, I mean, I love the Terminator. I love Terminator Two. Yeah, I do. That and if, and if, and of course, with Terminator Two, what what makes Terminator Two work is that it's a family. Yeah, and that it is, and it and it builds on thematically, right? You've mentioned the first movie is a love story, and you see the you see the, the quite literal consummation of that love story. Yeah, and then the sequel, which you know, good sequel takes things to the next level. Well, this is the next level. The next level is you have a family. And, right. and it is, and it's about that, and it's about that family um, relationship that, you know, and, and, and the, and uh, 
the the affirmation of family. Yeah, and also you know the Terminator's sacrifice, learning to value human life. Right. Just I mean, like for for a guy who's so technically minded, he he's like able to really bear his soul. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, and you think of I mean, aliens, right? Yeah. I mean, what a you know what a what a powerful movie that demonstrates something that we still don't see in cinema all that much, which is the raw strength of a mother. That I I love watching aliens within the context of um, like I don't think the director's cut is that good, but within within the context of like knowing like what was taken away from Ripley mm -hmm. in terms of her daughter. Um, just watching the part where she's like destroying all the eggs and then like having that context in your brain, it's like, whoa, <laughs> like she is, she is taking it out on this friggin' alien right now. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You robbed me of like, my, it's not just like a survival moment. It's a cathartic moment. Like where she's just like, she's not trying to like get away from the alien. She's not trying to protect news at this point. She's like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna cap all you fools. <laughs> like just, well, just and blows it up. Well, and it has that moment of it's not going to happen to me again, and I'm not going to let it happen to anyone else again either. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, of course, the 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 classic line from the movie: "Get away from her, you bitch." I, I, uh, you know, it's you know, Kana Kana gave birth to Ford at home, and uh, yes, yeah, so that was my first experience of watching like what a woman goes through in delivering a child, like firsthand. And it's, it's like, it, it's weird to say this because in a lot of our culture, we tend to, when we think of something feminine, we think of it very soft and floral. Um, but it was watching my, watching my wife make animal noises, giving <laughs> birth to this child. It was just, it was primal and it was primal female. It was the most feminine I've ever seen my mom, my, 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 my wife. And, and it was in that, and it was strength that made her very feminine in that moment. And I, uh, you know, so it, it just, it, it transformed my, it really transformed my feelings on the term feminine. And it was kind of one of those things, like even while she was doing, it, I think I had in the back of my mind, these images of Ripley, <laughs> in aliens that that moment of of that mama bear yeah. you know protecting her children um and um and all of that i i just cameron captures that and it's a really remarkable thing and it you know that that he could capture that um and uh yeah and yeah and you talk about his technical stuff i, I read a comment year a couple years back or a year or so back about um um someone was talking about so made a uh, some thing I read made a passing joke about a moon of Pandora, and I got really smug in there and and said, "Well, no, Pandora itself is a moon, so it doesn't have a moon, and because uh, it orbits a gas giant." And um, and somebody like replied to that, I was like, "Oh, I totally forgot about the orbits a gas giant. Why is that? Like, wouldn't you think that blah, blah blah? All this kind of conversation about gas giant and planet, you know, would a planet or would a moon orbiting a gas giant be able to support life and all this stuff?" And this other guy commented, who clearly is like a really hardcore Cameron fan and who had read a lot of stuff. And he said, the reason that Cameron did that is because at the time, as we were learning stuff about the Alpha Centauri system, 
that the what we learned about the Alpha, Tauri, Alpha Centauri system was that the most likely, most plausible type of moon, like most type of like planet to contain life would have been a moon orbiting a gas giant because it would have reflected the starlight of this certain type of size star that would have been enough to like give enough radiation to inspire life, like to cause things to grow. Like this really deep dive science on how that would work. And he says, and the reason I say this is because Cameron is obsessed with this stuff and it's kind of to the level of insane to make it plausible and make sure that it works. Uh -huh. And that's kind of why he did this. It wasn't just an artistic statement of, oh, it looked cool to have a gas giant in the sky. It was also rooted in some like deep dive science for him. Just crazy. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the man is the man is a little nuts, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's got nothing but time, you know? He's, he's working on his movies. That's it. The movies in a submarine. That's <laughs> that's what he does. We should we should we should watch his submarine movies and, and talk yeah, about that. That'd be funny, right? Well, what was I mean? I've heard that I've heard the story that he 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 agreed to make Titanic in order to fund his expedition to the actual Titanic. Like that's the only reason he yeah, did it. I've heard that too. Yeah. Which I love the idea that the largest, the biggest movie of all time for a period there was just made like the way Adam Sandler makes movies, so he can go on vacation <laughs> with his friends. It's, it's like, yeah, sure, I'll do this thing. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Wow, yeah, so James Cameron, uh, brilliant filmmaker. Uh, too bad he never got to work with Roy Scheider. You know? That would have been good. That would have been, been real good. Could you, oh man. Could you imagine if Cameron had made a Jaws movie? <laughs> I think, could, could you imagine, like, he was supposed to make Jurassic Park. Cameron was? Yeah. I did not know this. He, um, oh. he, he when, when they were optioning the, the book, rights the the movie rights for the book he was in on the bidding war for the rights dude he was competing against spielberg and like these other production companies dude crichton michael crichton and james cameron together would have been like peanut butter and chocolate i mean <laughs> because like have you you've read jurassic park the novel right oh yeah, yeah yeah like what people don't seem to realize about the book versus the movie is that the book the book is really about the mathematical theories of chaos theory. Like yeah. the book, like each chapter opens with like fractal images and uh -huh. it it's it really is about that technical, you know, and a lot of the and a lot of the science and technology pieces that are going on with the biotech and, and unpredictability and all of that. So somebody with James Cameron's obsession with that sort of stuff. Man. I mean, it, it's more Jurassic Park the novel is more comparable to like Alien and Aliens than anything. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole sequence in the book where they're going through air ducts shooting grenade launchers at raptors in, in, in the book. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the only thing is, though, what Spielberg brought to the table, and I, I wonder if Cameron would have been as good at it, um, is Spielberg brought the awe of seeing dinosaurs walking around for the first time. And considering that Cameron's much more interested in, like, the, you know, the, the drop ship coming out of the Seleco than he is about, like, the fascination wouldn't have been there. The wonder wouldn't have been there. Yeah, well, I mean, because one of the criticisms that people have levied at Avatar is the first time you see the Hallelujah Mountains, you see it from the, the perspective of people inside of a helicopter. Right. You don't really, you know, he, he focused so much on the human perspective of seeing it that, but it's like a third person. You're not seeing it through the eyes of the person flying it or the person seeing it for the first time. You're seeing it as a passenger with other people. And so you don't get this awe of seeing these things um, for the first time. It's more sort of hinted at and it's, you're sort of told this is beautiful rather than shown that it's beautiful. 
Right. And, yeah, yeah. And I and I would think that because of that, Cameron wouldn't, might not have been as good of. I mean, I think the reason why we love Jurassic Park is not so much like the, the thrill aspect of it. I mean, that that part's fun and, and good, yeah, and great. But like, we saw dinosaurs for the first time. Like that was the whole point. Like that was like the that's why we love it so much. Well, I mean, that's the thing that like my mom even goes to is that when we saw, she said, "There's nothing. There's no way to recreate the first time you see the Brachiosaurus." Oh yeah. And even now, like watching that movie, I get chills. It's like when they first it's like when, when, when they first reveal like King Kong. Yeah. Back in the 30s, like people are like, what? Yeah. I um yeah, and I would just since you brought up a giant monster, getting back to that is um Godzilla King of the Monsters, which I, you know I've seen theaters twice now. And I will say the one thing about that movie is that they they don't do nearly as much long shots to just sort of break your brain over the sheer like magnitude of these creatures <laughs> like you do in the t- 2014 Godzilla movie where that first time you see Godzilla in, in in Honolulu is like you just get the tease and you're like this thing is huge and then when you finally get to San Diego and you see that shot where they're doing the halo jump to the clouds and you see Godzilla fighting the Mudo and you realize just how big these things are. It's right. just such a like majestic moment that there, you, there are a couple of hints at it um, in Godzilla King of the Monsters, but I like, um, I know you haven't seen it, but when Rodan shows up, Rodan's probably the most impressive sequence in the whole movie because they really do showcase this enormous pterodactyl coming out of a volcano and yeah. what that, what that's like. Um, and then he has an encounter with Ghidorah and you get a sense of how big they, they are. And there's, so there's some, some cool stuff there. Wait, just, it's a pterodactyl that comes out of the volcano. Yeah. Hmm, sounds like somebody ripped off power Rangers, <laughs> which, um, because every time Kimberly summoned the pterodactyl, it came out of the volcano. Yeah. And I will point out that, um, Rodan came out in 1956 and Rodan first comes out of a volcano in, in his movie in 1956. So I think someone originally ripped off Godzilla. Oh, Ooh. Checkmate. Checkmate. <laughs> um, school. Oh, yeah. Bro, <laughs> bro, we've never ever on this show gone into the near depths of obsession that I have with, with the big G. I can't, it's the abyss. I can't touch it. Like, I, I just, I can't even get close to it. Like, I haven't, I've, 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 I've seen the first Godzilla movie and you showed me uh, Gamera. Gamera's awesome. And that's it. <laughs> the 90s Gamera is awesome. The Gamera is cool. I did like Gamera. Yeah, yeah. I Gamera, Godzilla. Did you did you watch the whole trilogy of Gamera with me, or did you just watch the first one? You watched two movies. So Gamera, and then you watched one with Legion, which was the big silver thing. I think so. Okay, that one's awesome. Gamera three, the third in that trilogy, is one of the most bleak. It's a, it's such a bleak movie because um, the guy who directed those movies is a Malthusian. Uh-huh. Um, so he believes that like the human population should like mostly be gone for the oh, wow. sake of the created world. And the movie ends on the, on that note, basically it ends with an injured Gamera. Like, this all like this, uh, this all just makes me wish like Trey Parker and Matt Stone had made their Kaiju movie. <laughs> right. They were going to make one. I forgot about that. Yeah. Like I wish that like this all like, cause I'm, I'm fascinated by this entire genre that you're so, that you're, that you're so obsessed with. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there needs to be a shot of the dead of it. Like that's the best way I can express how much time I've been in. I would say the closest thing that we have to a Shaun of the Dead type movie with the kaiju genre is Colossal. 
Oh, is that the one with the uh, with Anne Hathaway? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I saw that. Was, that was actually really good. Um, that's probably true. There's another one called. It was a Big Boy Japan or something. Oh yeah, I haven't seen that. That was. It was very dry. Not that yeah, dry, but like. I mean, I will say what. So kaiju cinema. Let's talk a little bit about this. Let's wrap. Yeah the 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 challenge with it is that is two things. You go to the movies to see the big monsters, but you need the human element in order. You can't just you, watching a movie with big monsters is. You need you need some kind of scale. You need an emotional connection and and, and do, all of do that. Do you though? Do you? Can we just can we just have two hours of monsters fighting? Why why not? Especially yeah. Like a yeah, I think if you, uh, I, well, yeah, I, I think I agree with you on that. That you're alienating your audience, but yeah. Well, so the most okay, so probably the most effective kaiju, one of the most effective scenes in recent kaiju. By the way, for those who know, kaiju is the Japanese word for giant monster, or well, for monster. Dai kaiju is giant monster in Japanese. Um, is um, um. I think one of the more effective scenes that, that sort of plays into the empathy that we sort of generally have uh, is because um, th the most effective things in all these movies, I think for me is when you see not just individual human connections with it, but sort of mass human connections in it. Like the, the like one of the most like, like in Gamera, Gamera 2, Gamera versus Legion uh, from 1995 uh, or six. Um, is the the scenes depicting them evacuating people with this encroaching thing happening and just that you know the original godzilla um in the japanese version of the original godzilla has moments where like after godzilla has come through tokyo they're running geiger counters over kids and the geiger counters are spiking because godzilla exudes radiation and so it you know, so that that you know, these are characters that you you, that you don't have no you don't have names, you don't have an arc, you just see what they're you know how they've been impacted by this, and I think that's that's consistently one of the more one of the more poignant things in a uh, in a in a kaiju film. In Colossal, you have it, but it sort of happens off camera because um, if you remember the movie, it's when it's when Anne 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 Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis are in this playground starting at eight a.m. every day. Two kaiju manifest in Seoul, Korea, yeah, right. and um, there's a moment where um, if you've not seen it, spoiler alert. But um, um, Jason Sudeikis sees this as like a power trip to be able to manifest a giant robot in Seoul. And so there's a moment where Anne Hathaway is trying to stop him from just being violent because she's starting to realize there's a human cost to everything she does because she finds out that um, she gets drunk and goes in there and like passes out. When she passes out, she falls into a building and it kills a bunch of people. And um, and so Jason Sudeikis manages to like, I think he punches her, right? Because it's, it's a very abusive scene where he kind of like punches her or pushes her on the ground or something. And then you just see his feet stomping in the playground. Right. And it's, but it's playing the sounds of what's happening in Korea. And it's super heavy and tragic. Um, yeah. I mentioned that because I think if you're going to go the route of having a movie giant monsters fighting, I think you could do it, but you have to have, you have to have sort of generic human impact right? because you can, but I think, but I think, you, you know, I think, I think we sell ourselves short because a lot of times in our storytelling, we think we have to empathize with individuals, 
forgetting that we sometimes do empathize with groups. And if we were just to have groups, I mean, maybe it doesn't tell a story. I don't know, but it would be an interesting thing to watch. Colossal is a great movie. It is a really great movie. It's It sneaks up on you. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Colossal with Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, it's a, it was a, indie, a little indie film um, that deal like I initially and it, the, the marketing makes it seem like it's a comedy. Yeah, it's, it's not, not really a comedy. It's, really. it's, a, it's it, it gets it gets real. It does. It gets yeah. Be prepared that if if you're if you're if you are if you are triggered by domestic violence, yeah, be aware that it's a movie that deals quite heavily with 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 uh, with with emotional abuse and even some physical abuse, but mostly emotional abuse. Jason Sudeikis is also just like a great a-hole. <laughs> like Dude. He, he sells that role of like a, just a horribly abusive person. He, and he, th th it's, he's such a good actor. We forget about Jason Sudeikis is what a good actor he is. He, um, you know, cause he's been this goofball in SNL for years and Colossal, his, his role in Colossal was so effective that when I saw him on last man on earth, I was a little suspicious of it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, thank you so much, uh, Father Chuck, for being here. You're welcome. Good to be here. And thank you, listeners, for always listening. Um, join us again next week and uh, have a wonderful week. Yep. Good journey. Good journey.